Welcome to Ride Ever Stride, episode 77. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm back here today with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey, Van, how are you? Hey, Miss Laura, I'm wonderful, thank you. Hope everything's good up there in North Texas. Matter of fact, hey, we just heard just the other day, you guys had some pretty good storms up in that part of the country. I don't know if it was your far east or if it was a little bit further west of you, but it was some some pretty good storms up there. Yeah, we had some pretty good weather over the last uh, week or so. It's it's funny because as we're recording this, of course, it's October and, uh, you know, I've got my my house decor all set up for fall, but it's in the 90s outside. So yeah, right. <laughs> it's Texas. Yep. You know, it's funny, Laura, we, um, we, we, I think sometimes we kind of take for granted Texas weather versus what's going on in the rest of the country. And I sometimes get my own little world down here. And, and of course, you know, the North Texas weather and South Texas weather is very similar, but yet maybe a bit more humid down here. Uh, but yet it's still fairly similar. But even that, you know, we kind of take the Texas weather for granted and we kind of expect, you know, summer to last a little bit longer, of course, and that fall is a little bit slow to sneak in on us. And sometimes if you blink, you miss winter. But we've got right now we've got two students from up north, like North Dakota for one, and the other one's from British Columbia, Canada. And um, bless their hearts, I felt so sorry for them because they get down here and we're kind of bragging and boasting about our good, cool fall weather, which is only in the 90s and <laughs> still very humid. And bless their hearts there, we literally had to take the first two to three days just to walk around the ranch and let them get acclimated to breathing such big, thick air, you know, full of moisture and all the humidity. And uh, so it's it's kind of odd, you know, that we just we sometimes take our situations for granted, not realizing kind of the situation that other people deal with. And, you know, the, they, they were one of them was telling me last night, for example, that she called home and, you know, they've gotten half, half a foot of snow up there in, in North <laughs> Dakota. And it, it just seems so inconceivable when we're still down here, you know, literally cutting our way through the air with a machete to try to get past the humidity and of course at 90 degree temperatures yeah. and there's other parts of the United States just a few miles north of us that's dealing with snow and this it's still hard for me to fathom that you know that our world is so big and yet so small yeah that's for sure and it's uh yeah I keep thinking it should be cool and I should be able to get the sweaters out and all that kind of stuff but <laughs> right. yeah no not so much yep well Laura you know what we're going to talk about today we are going to talk about something you've heard me say before to you personally and and we're going to talk about just letting go. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I think that we hold on to certain things, whether it be our past or our own personal securities or whatever. And we hold on to that. We hold on to that because we feel safe there. And there's nothing wrong with that to a certain degree. But sometimes we can hold on so tightly through our concerns, our worries, and our comfort zones that we fail to recognize just what's beyond that border of security. And I, I oftentimes tell people to let go because they don't know what their horse can do unless they let it go. They don't know what they can do personally unless they let go. So we're going to address that topic today with your help to kind of guide us through that. Okay. So, so what made you think about talking about this? Well, 
first of all, I, I, it's something that I say repeatedly yes, at you do. <laughs> clinics all the time, you know, let go, let go, let go. And, and I think, and I can see the confusion sometimes when I say that to people, because in their mind, they're not holding on to the reins, you know, per se. So in their mind, they have let go. I, I and of course, I, I speak a lot of what I call spirit and intent. So even though your body physically may be letting go, question is, where's your mind? Hmm. So we're going to address kind of both of those today. But I'm going to kind of start about just kind of one aspect of that. that and I'm going to start by kind of telling a story about my tractor. Um, I, I've got a fairly new tractor, but it's one of those that's got a lot of safety features on it, which is good for me because I like stuff to be safe. But at the same time, we also realize that sometimes some safety features can seem somewhat inconvenient. And it happens with us and in all the stuff we do. You know, I'll tell people, don't hold your lead rope so loosely. We don't want to give that horse the advantage to, to pull away from you and hurt you or whatever. And yet it might be inconvenient for you to always be aware and conscientious of your lead rope and where it's positioned or where your body's positioned. So yes, it might be inconvenient for that, but there's a safety reason for that. And, and like the story about my tractor is this. Inevitably, I'm not used to one particular feature on there. And this feature is you have to have the brake on in order to start the darn thing. So what I've kind of gotten in a habit of doing is every time when I'm finished from the previous day's use of the tractor, I'll press the brake pedal and I'll actually lock it down. And that way, when I get ready to start it the next morning, I don't go through the frustration of turning the key and nothing happening, wondering, what, why won't my tractor start? What's wrong? Oh yeah, I got to push on the darn brake. So trying to be ahead of myself, I'll push the brake down the night before and lock it. And that way, when in my haste, I jump in the tractor and sit in the seat and turn the key, it's ready to start. Well, but then the next thing happens. I'll jump in the tractor and I'm ready to start and ready to back out. But unfortunately, it won't go anywhere. Why? Because the brake is depressed. <laughs> so before I, even though I did all the other things, put it in gear, looked and was careful about where I was going, make sure my lift was up in the rear and the, and the bucket was lifted in the front. So there should be nothing obstructing me, nothing in the way that I can run over. The tractor's not even in its way. And I mash on the gas. And we go nowhere. And sometimes it'll go somewhere because I'm going to mash on the gas harder and it'll go somewhere. But I can tell it's struggling. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why is this darn thing struggling? How come it's not moving as freely as what it could? Why is it struggling? Oh, yeah. Oh, got to let go. And I'll let the brake loose. And all of a sudden, the tractor is operating perfectly fine. No obstructions. And it's running just like it should. The engine doesn't sound like it's being strained. And then suddenly I can go away and be as productive as I want to be on my tractor because I've removed all the obstructions. That's exactly what I think about when we're working with our horses is that we've done the preparation as we're getting ready to ride. And yet inevitably we get ready to go and we're in our own way. We've, we've created those obstacles and those obstacles are preventing us from being as productive as we could. So I've heard you say that a lot, you, you know, to me, when I was riding, to I've, I've heard you say it at clinics and things like that, to let your horse go or loosen your reins. And the question I always have when you say that is, I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I get the connection between the story you told about the tractor. But when you tell us to ride every stride, if we let go of the reins, aren't we kind of letting our horse, aren't we losing control? Oh, that's a great question. And that's a great way to look at it too, for the example, because, you know, and that's the cool thing that I think that's so good about horsemanship in general. There always sounds like there's these contradictions going on. For example, you know, in my, all of my clinics, I tell everybody, 
look, I know this is going to sound like a contradiction, but I want you guys to understand something coming from me as I'm, as I'm addressing you, that I'm very easy to please, but I'm also very picky. <laughs> that sounds like a contradiction as well, doesn't it? Yeah. So here I'm telling you also, ride every stride, but let go of your horse. And you're thinking, yeah, but how am I going to control the horse without the reins or without the control mechanisms that I do have in place, like the lead rope or whatever the case may be? Well, there we go into talking about something that's going to be on another episode. And what we're going to be talking about there is understanding the true herd dynamics and where we fit in with that. And as we understand that, then we'll also understand a little bit more about how horses learn and how we, and if we understand that, we can use that to the advantage of letting us be free to learn as well. So let's go back to the, the, that specific question. How are we going to ride every stride? and then let go of our horse. Well, oftentimes I'll tell people too that, yes, I want you to have your reins in hand and be ready, but don't micromanage everything. Mm. Don't contradict yourself. If you're telling the horse to go, make sure you also don't have the brakes on. The brakes and the steering wheel are two different things, even though, yes, sometimes in the horse world, we think of the reins as brakes, I tell everybody that that is a last resort steering wheel. The first resort steering wheel is the true act of riding every stride. In other words, being aware of what's going on at the moment, fully in the moment with your horse, and then letting your body ride the horse, or better yet, you ride and the horse catches up to you, so to speak. Hmm. So... The burden on us is learning to really ride. If we really ride, both mentally, physically, emotionally, we're involved with the moment, with our horse, in that fully awareness state, then suddenly we don't have to depend on those other things, such as our spurs or our reins. So how do you know that, though, unless you put yourself to the test? How do you know if the horse is listening to you unless you have the courage to let him go? How do you know how well you can communicate with your horse until you at least attempt that what I refer to as refinement of communication? But if you're always screaming at him or if you've always got him restricted in some shape, form, or fashion, or you're always concerned and worried about yourself so much that your your own safety and aspects of that then you won't know if you don't let go. So again, that's why I repeat repeatedly when I'm working our, our, a client in, a, in the round pen or working a client in the arena as they're riding, I'll ask themselves, ask yourself why your horse is going. And if you can ask, ask yourself that, why is my horse loping? Oh, it's loping because I'm in rhythm and I'm, I'm creating a rhythm. The horse is following that rhythm. Why is your horse turning to the left? Oh, it's because my body is looking to the left. My body is communicating left. My mind is thinking left, and therefore my body's moving left, and therefore my horse is going left. But if we find ourselves riding very rigidly, very strict in the saddle, and we don't have the courage to let go, then we'll never know just how well that horse will dance with us. Yeah, I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I remember, you know, during lessons that we've had and, and watching you work with other people, the whole concept of sort of fix and release, fix and release. It, it's a hard thing, especially for a novice rider. I mean, I think 
I've learned from listening to you the importance of this, but my instinct is to hang on tight to those reins to to keep the horse kind of restrained, I guess is the word you used, so that they don't run off with me. Right. And that's what we fear, isn't it? That we fear. And this is the crazy part. We just illustrated. We did a clinic just recently up at my old alma mater up there at Texas A&M Commerce. I'm still going to refer to it East Texas State University, but up in Texas A&M Commerce, we just did a clinic up there. And in every scenario, I just asked the folks to get their horses going and just sit in the saddle like they're just a kind of like a bump on a log. And not a single one of the horses took off running. Every one of the horses was just sitting there like bumps on logs, or if they were loping, the horses slowed down. If they were trotting, they walked. So I ask everybody, so what is your fear again about the horses running off with you? It's not nine times out of 10, it's just not going to happen. And yet, don't get me wrong. I know there's always that chance that something could spook your horse and it could run away. And in fact, we see stories on Facebook. We read stories in magazines about their horses running and going away from them and bolting or whatever they uh, cause it. So that causes great fear in us, doesn't it? And that's great for the horse industry in some respects, at least from the business side of it, because if you've got a horse that's going to bolt off from you and you're not going to figure out why, and you're not going to address all those why things as to what caused that horse to bolt at that specific moment. And if you're going to buy into that insecurity that your horse is a ticking time bomb, just waiting to run off with you at any given second, then that's really good for the, the economic aspect of the horse business, because guess what's going to be sold a lot? Bigger bits and tie downs <laughs> and all the things that we think are going to restrict our horse from running off with us. And we're going to go get all these new safety apparatuses. We're going to strap on helmets and pads and all the other stuff, which I'm not opposed to any of those things. But when we're addressing like helmets, those things are simply band-aids that don't really address the issue at all. What addresses the issue at all is our our foundation communication training that we work on with ourselves and with our horses. When When that is rock solid, then we'll find out that all those other things are truly not necessary. The bigger bits aren't necessary. Lord knows a big bit's not going to stop if they stop this horse if the horse is truly panicking. It's only going to add to the fear of why the horse is panicking in the first place. Why? Because whatever startled him is one thing, but now the pain in his mouth is another. So it, that aspect of it is not, is a really a false safety mechanism. Yeah. But yet I totally fully understand why people feel that way. They feel like the tighter you grip the steering wheel, the more you're going to be able to turn the darn thing. The tighter you grip the reins, the more you're going to be able to restrict this horse from bolting off to the left or bolting off to the right or just simply running off with you. I get that about people. But we also have to realize too that part of the journey of both horsemanship and humanship is learning to accept that which is around us and with what limited control that we have and yet still maintain our safety and maintain our securities. But yet, how do you know how safe you really are until you step out, until you kind of test things? And that's the whole point of me telling people to let go. Sure. Because oftentimes, and this is kind of twofold, it's it's that letting go of yourself and let you see how well you're riding, how well your communication of your horse is really taking place. And, and giving that test, I guess, yourself to both you and your horse. But it's also telling your horse that I trust you. And by the way, I trust you, but I'm still going to test you. And here's my test to you. What will happen if I let you go? Are you going to run away with me or are you going to stay? And with that, I want people to think about this. There's a story I heard a long time ago that really impacted me 
really from a humanitarian aspect when I'm thinking about animals and animal rights and all the other kind of good stuff. But it also affected me as a horseman and as a trainer. And it really, really touched my heart because the story was about training an elephant. And I, I really want my listeners to listen to this because, it, like I said, it really impacted me. But the question was, is that how do you train an elephant? Like, and we've all seen it. Like you go to a circus or you go to a fair, you go to something and you see these big, giant, majestic animals, especially the larger, more African elephants. I mean, they're huge, huge animals. And you look down and there's a stake that's not very big and it's not driven very far in the ground and it's got a rope tied to it. And that rope is holding that elephant. And in your mind, you're thinking, dude, just if you want to get away or if you want to go somewhere, just pull, pull against that rope. I promise you can either break the rope or you can pull that, that stake out of the ground. How do I know that? Because I've seen elephants push down large mature trees that bulldozers oftentimes have a hard time pushing down. So the size and the strength is just unbelievably powerful, but yet they don't even hardly try to pull against that rope or to pull up that stake. And part of us would argue, well, it's kind of like having a horse halter trained or tied. They just respect it. I understand that too. But the, the part that impacted me was when I thought about how they train those animals and how they train those elephants. What they do, you see, you take that same big size rope and you take that same stake and you drive it in the ground and you tie that rope around the elephant's foot when he's an itty bitty baby. Now he doesn't have the strength to fight against the rope, nor does he have the strength to pull the stake up out of the ground. So perhaps he fights, he struggles, and he realizes, oh, it's hopeless, I can't do it. He gets a little bit bigger and he still struggles and he fights and it's hopeless. He just can't do it. And after a while, he gets a little bit more adult-like. He didn't even try the rope anymore. Why? Because it's hopeless. In his mind, he just can't do it. My question is this, when I, when I get people to think in terms of having your horses held back all the time with that bridle rein or with our whatever apparatus we're using to hold them for our own security, and I ask people, how would you like to ride an absolutely spiritless horse, one that is just so incredibly dull and robotic, how would you feel about that? And I've yet to have anybody say, oh, yeah, I want a horse that's just like that little pony at Walmart that just sits there all cold and callous until you put a quarter in it, and then it wiggles around and moves, and I can pretend I'm going on a journey with the wind flowing through my hair. Nobody really wants that. We want the horse because of that real-life interaction that they give us, both emotionally as well as physically when we're riding them. That's what we're seeking out. But yet we can't give them that freedom because our personal fears keep us from doing that. And what I want people to realize is, is that as you work hard on your relationship with your horse, as you have the courage to let yourself go and practice your leadership, practice your communication with your horse, you will develop the most powerful rope and stake in the ground you could ever imagine. And yet the rope and the stake really doesn't exist. That rope and stake now is a choice has to hang out with you and be with you because you've earned the right, not because you forced it to do so with the restriction of a bridle rein a bit or a big long stake and a tight rope. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I, I, I see the challenge that you put to the horse if you are always holding tightly to the reins as a brake and not using them just as the steering wheel. You know, you're telling them to go, but you're not really letting them go. You're holding them back from from doing what you're asking them to do. And so developing the skills, the the tools and the techniques to 
to direct the horse and to ride the horse without having to rely on just holding the reins tightly. That's harder work, isn't it? Yes, it is hard work because it kind of forces us to actually take some sort of accountability and responsibility for what we're doing in our own lives and how our lives is affecting lives around us. But here's what I want people to think about too, Laura. I just told that story about the elephant from the elephant's perspective and, and from the perspective of us restricting our horses using the rope and the stake. But now this, what if you were the elephant? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking as you were telling the story that there's, you know, this is a horsemanship podcast and I totally see the application to us and as we work with our horses, but we do that to ourselves all the time, don't we? We've got a a stake in the ground that's nothing but a piece of thread and we, but we think it's, we can't move away from it. And it's from all aspects. It's from people telling us, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can't do that. Or, or whatever the situation may be. And before long, we begin to believe it. We begin to believe we can't pull up that stake because somebody nailed it in the ground and kept reinforcing in our mind that we can't pull that stake up and we can't break our rope. And we, after a while, we believe it. And we don't ever try to pull against the rope or, or try to pull against the stake. At the same time that we also do it to ourselves because fear keeps us from doing it. We tell yeah. ourselves, oh, I could never do that. And now, you know, I know you're a lawyer, but I'm going to tell a little lawyer story here that I just loved. (laughs) This was told to me several years ago, and I just absolutely loved it because it it was just very quick and it just made you think. But a guy was talking to his friend and he said, you know what? I kind of wished, you know, I always wished that I'd have gone to school and become a lawyer. And his buddy just kind of sips his drink and looks back at him and says, so why don't you? I can't do that, man. It's, you know, it's going to take too long. I mean, I'm, I'm 40 plus years old and, and, uh, heck, by the time I got out of uh, school and got out of law school and, and passed my bar exam, heck, I'm liable to be 48, 50 years old by then. And the guy says, well, how old are you going to be if you don't do it? Yeah. You see, so basically he, 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 and that's what I mean by restricting. Sometimes it's little subtle things that we tell ourselves, but we allow what's going on around us and we allow that fear of being judged. Well, gosh, he's 48 years old and he's just now going to college to be a lawyer. Who freaking cares? Did it make you happy? Did it, did it help you fulfill your desire and your dream? Did it help you become a better horseman or whatever the case may be? I mean, I just had an older fellow the other day ask me the same thing about, well, Van, do you think it's too late for me to, th- to think about being a, a horse trainer and maybe a clinician? I really feel like I've got a story I want to share with other, you know, other people. And I said, dude, go for it. And any, in fact, anything I can do to help, let me know. I want to see you let go, hmm. break away from that rope, pull up that stake and get out there and do what you think you want to do and quit listening to yourself and to other people tell you that you can't do it. How do we know if we can't do it? You know, I mentioned, I started out today, we talked very briefly about that little thing that I said, I'm easy to please, but I'm very picky. picky. <laughs> this is what I mean by that. What I mean by easy to please is if you will just try, I promise I will shout out to you, good job, perfect, way to go. That's exactly what I mean. But I'm also picky that says, okay, if you're going to try, then let's try and get you pointed in the right direction of which you want to go. In other words, just try. As long as you're trying, I am so ecstatic and happy for both my coaching to get you to try, but I'm also ecstatic because you had the guts to try. And that is easy to direct. You can't drive a vehicle that's standing still and not going anywhere. You can't be guided if you are anchored in the ground. 
So we have to let go and do that, you see. And and that's the whole point, I think, to, about this is just letting go so you can grow. But also, we got to be smart, too. I'm not saying, okay, I'm really going to let go. I'm going to reach up there and take the bridle off my horse. Woohoo! <laughs> let's now see what happens. And we're going to make a YouTube video one day riding bareback and bridleless. Yeah, that might not be a wise thing to do. You see, because now we're, we're going too extreme. But I also think, though, that you can do that in little subtle ways as you learn, as you gain confidence, as you learn and gain confidence in your horse. Then suddenly the rope gets smaller and smaller. The stake in the ground gets looser and looser. And before you know it, you just give it a slight little tug to expand your territory and to, and to push that envelope and what's left of that little bitty rope, that final little thread breaks, and you're free. And that's what I really want to encourage people to do is seek out that freedom. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that in saying this, you are trivializing the challenges that some people face. I mean, all of us have different things we have to overcome to get from where we were to where we are now. And similarly, from where we are now to maybe where we want to be. And I don't think I don't think you're saying just ignore those things. No. Just don't. Nor, be- am, I, nor am I saying that it's easy, right? right? I mean, for example, as a lawyer, I bet you can tell us that there's a lot of work, dedication, and hours and hours and hours of commitment that you have to make to just freaking studying. Yeah. And then you have to hope that that carrot at the end of the stick. Oh, well, actually, the carrot at the end of the stick is, oh, and now I've got to pass the bar. (laughs) So in other words, there's obstacles and there's constant obstacles along the way. But the thing is, you'll never know if you even had the guts to do it or if you even have the uh, commitment to follow through with it unless you try. So I'm not saying that it's easy and I'm not trivializing, like you said, the steps and the processes. But, and quite frankly, you mentioned the word easy a little while ago. So why don't we do those things? Why don't we expand? Why don't we try the things? that we would love to try in this world. And we don't because either we're lazy or we're fearful that maybe I don't have, what if I find out I don't have the guts to study that hard? What if I find out I don't have the guts to to go and work and study and do all the stuff that it's going to take to be a trainer and or a clinician someday? Because it's, you know, it is hard. You know, I tell the story a lot, almost every Sunday at an expo and almost every Sunday at a clinic. I tell the story and you've heard it a hundred times, I think we've even repeated it on the podcast, about the horse jumping off the bridge with me, mm-hmm. and then me following that up and saying, but luckily that event happened, and it helped me realize what my, what my true spiritual gift really was, and I was so ecstatic to finally know what my purpose was. And I'm like, oh my God, now I know my purpose. I've got something to shoot for and to strive for. And I, and I tell, her, tell everybody all the time, that's what I call your peace and your passion, discovering your spiritual gift is oftentimes one of the most difficult things we'll do. But just because you discovered it doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell how many people I've kicked the dirt and I've tried to quit doing what I do right now. And you know as well as anybody, Laura, how much I love to do what I do. But yet there's still those challenging moments that says, you know what? Crap it. I give up. I, it's just too many struggles. It's just not worth it. You know, I, I, I just can't. It might be my spiritual gift and all, but ooh, who cares? I can't do it. It's hard work. <laughs> yes, it's hard work. And and there's obstacles out there. There's other, sometimes there's situations where people are trying to stop you or, oh, oh my goodness, I got to be a businessman too. I got to figure out how to get this stuff financed. And there's just so many things that really present opportunities for us to, to quit. My question is, how committed are you to seeking your goal? 
And just know that once you're seeking it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy. So, man, you're, you hit the nail right on the head when you said we're not trivializing it. We know it's hard. But you know, one of the reasons that I started being a trainer and a clinician, more so a clinician, and I hate the term, I hate the term clinician. I wish we could come up with something different. But the reason I started doing that was, is that I saw so many people who really wanted to ride and enjoy their horses, but they were struggling so hard. They were, they were working, some of the things that they were doing were, were making the journey of, of what they wanted to do even more difficult. Mm. So I kept thinking, man, if I could just help them realize that goal, but help them not make some of the mistakes that I've made and help them learn a little bit about how they can maybe even make the journey of becoming the rider and the horseman they want to be better and more pleasant. That's what inspired me to do that. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. Sometimes when you got to get up and you got to jump on a plane, you got to go places you don't really want to go. Or sometimes even when you get there, you realize, oops, they lost my luggage. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, so it doesn't, because you know what you're doing and you're following your heart's passion and you're helping others or you're working hard to become that horseman that you want to be, or you're working hard to become that attorney you want to be, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easy. But once you've determined that, and you start making those steps toward that, and then you had the courage to let go and pursue that, then it's just amazing what you can achieve and what you can accomplish. And then one day when you look back, you think, oh man, what a cool journey it was. It was a cool journey to do. Yeah. And, and the same thing applies though too, and it's little subtle things, but every time I'm asking people to do the stuff with their horses, what I'm really trying to do is look at what you're doing to the horse and put yourself in that same situation. More times than not, what we're holding the horse back from doing is very relative to our own fears and our own anxieties and our own obstacles. More times than not, it's not nearly as much about the horse as we think it is. So that, to me, is another thing that makes the horsemanship-humanship journey so fun. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, it's sort of like the story you told about the elephant and all of the, and the application to our horsemanship really, by the time you get to the point where the elephant's the big, huge elephant tied up with a little rope and a stake, the barrier, the obstacle at that point is in the elephant's mind. And most of the time, not always, but most of the time, our barriers, our obstacles are in our mind. And the hardest part where the most work needs to be done is managing our own thinking. Well, you hit the nail right on the head right there, Laura. I mean, big, big time. We, we are, we kind of create that, that boundary for ourselves. And, and sometimes, you know, and I hate how to's, you know, I mean, I, I, I really try to emphasize the why's and everything else and why we do what we do. And the, usually the how to's just kind of present, present itself to us, but sometimes we do need a little help with how to's. So I kind of want to end today by giving some people a, a few little how to's and the how to's in this situation. Well, how, how do we release our mind from, from thinking those things? And as simple as it sounds, I visualize it. Mm. You, you, believe it or not, when you came to me, do you know one of the visions that you had that you shared with me that I locked in my brain? <laughs> and that's what I visualized. And that's what I kept focusing on. And that's what made my work with you so enjoyable. Because you told me, you know what? I just want to ride with the hair blowing in my wind or, or the, the wind blowing in my hair. Yeah. And that's the vision that I put in my mind. And I was, then I was trying to figure out, okay, which horse do I, do I see her on? And so I, I, so I locked that vision in my mind of you loping around 
really actually in a big wide open pasture, but it turned out it was going to be like an arena first. Mm -hmm. But I just had you pictured in my mind, loping around with the wind blowing through your hair, smile on your face, riding my horse around, you know, in, like I said, either in the pasture or the arena. So that's the vision that I had. And I just, I literally locked it in my brain and said, okay, there's my picture. And then the affirmations were every time you made a positive step toward it, I on purpose made a note to myself and go, oh, we got closer. And then the way I vocalized that to you is, oh, good job, Laura. Perfect. <laughs> Even <laughs> yeah. though you yelled at me, I'm not perfect. I don't quit telling me that. <laughs> then, okay, perfect for now. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's what we have to do. That's kind of what I mean by the visualizations and the affirmations. We have to visualize things, visualize the big goal, visualize yourself riding carelessly in the pasture with the wind blowing through your hair. But then think to yourself too, okay, how did I get to there? Oh, I got there by getting in the darn saddle. Visualize that. And when you get there, give yourself a big pat on the back. So woohoo, I made it. And then go to the next step. Okay, I'm going to walk two steps forward um, and do that under control. And you do that and you think, okay, good. You visualize that and you did that. So basically the the road to success and, and doing what we're talking about here, but expanding your territory and and daring to let go so that you can grow is through the practice of visualization and affirmations. And those things are limitless. They're only as good and as strong as our imagination. So we just we visualize what it is that we want to do and we take some sort of step toward it. But way too many people, and I, I don't want to say this in a negative way, but way too many people have the vision, but they never take the step. Mm. Just like the two guys I was mentioning earlier. Well, I want to be a lawyer. I'd really love to be a lawyer. And what I didn't tell about that story, it was two good buddies sitting at a bar, having a drink with each other, and they're just carrying on this conversation. And finally, one says to the other, I want to, I want to be a lawyer. And the guy says, so why don't you? Well, by the time I did everything I need to do, I'm going to be 48 years old. Takes another drink and says, well, how old are you going to be if you don't do it? You see? So in other words, the guy had the vision. He had the desire, but he was sitting on a freaking bar stool yeah. instead of taking a step and getting toward that goal. So that's what we have to do. We have to visualize it and then take the very next step, which is step, make a step toward it. Even if it's picking up the phone and calling somebody said, Hey, um, can you help me be a trainer? Can you help me be a clinician? Can you help me be a lawyer? Can you just help me be a better writer? You see, take that step. And when you, and, and the other, other thing about that is when you take that step, give yourself a reward of some sort, give yourself a big old pat on the back and that's your affirmation, you see. When you do that, you have to acknowledge it. And before you know it, you just keep going. You know, in a previous episode, we talk about success breeds success. So when you have the vision, you take the step, you reward yourself for that step, that's success. And before you know it, you do it again and again and again. One day you blink and it's, I'll be dang, I made it past those same eight, 10 years. And I am a lawyer. You know, I put myself through those times of hard work and I overcame those obstacles and I became you know, a top horseman and a clinician. So, man, we just got to train ourselves just to let go so we can grow. Yeah, I, re I really like that. And there's so many applications of that for, you know, the folks that are listening, whether it's related to your horsemanship, if there's something you've thought about doing, but but thought, well, I, it's too late, or I can't, I don't have what it takes to get there. Uh, with your horse, maybe it's competing in a particular event or, you know, being a trainer or whatever it is you want to do. The first step is to, is the visualization, right? That there, yep. that you've been talking about, picture yourself 
doing that, riding into the arena for that event, or sitting in line and and accepting the ribbon or the trophy or whatever the thing is that you want to do, or teaching your first student or speaking at your first event, picture yourself doing that. There's all kinds of science that, you know, we're not going to get into here about how our brains process visualization the same as actually doing the thing. Yes. It has exactly the same effect on us um, physiologically. So picture that, get that image in your mind of, of yourself doing that or that event occurring. And then what's the, you know, what are the steps to get there? And maybe the first step is to go talk to somebody else who's done it and ask them, what are the steps I need to take to, to make that vision a reality? And whether it's your horsemanship or your career or relationships or whatever, I mean, it, it, that applies across the board. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a thing that we say in the horse business, it's called being, we want to train our horses to be willfully guided. We also have to be willfully guided, mm-hmm. meaning willfully means we have to be able to, to with, a, with a positive attitude, we have to be willing to go do something. And the guided aspect of it is, is that you can't do, you cannot be guided unless you're moving. So we have to put ourselves in motion. And so it's oftentimes, and, I, and I'm guilty of it as well. I mean, I think we all are to a certain degree because we're all human. But the reality is we sometimes we want to go do something, but we simply don't know how. And every expert that I've ever read, their, their material, every expert that I've ever talked to, every motivational coach I've ever visited with or whatever, they will all tell you the same thing. Well, just take the first step. You know, because even if you don't know what it is, just do something and and then be willful and willing. And when you are, that next step will probably get you in the direction that you want to go. If the next step didn't get you where you want to go, then stop and go the other direction mm-hmm. or stop and change your change your direction. And this and that's exactly what the whole purpose of our podcast, Laura, is that why it was titled the way that it is. And that is ride every stride. But most importantly, ride, Hmm. do something, right? Yeah. Be active, do something. The other aspect of riding every stride is being in that moment. The other aspect of that is that if you're riding every stride, you're very keenly aware of whether you're getting where you want to go or you're not getting where you want to go. If you're not getting where you want to go, move your bridle reins, change your position to get more toward the target you want to go to. And after a while, sometimes we just think, oh my goodness, looky here. We got there. The, and that's a really cool thing I think is really great about riding with horses is that oftentimes I'm working with these horses every day. And I don't realize sometimes until my client comes and they tell me, wow, my horse has come a long way. Or sometimes it's, I just take a deep breath and I just kind of look and, and evaluate where the horse was when it came to me and where it is now. And I just go, I'm just amazed sometimes. Wow, look how far this horse has come. I, and I don't, I no longer think about all the processes. I'm just so ecstatic that the horse got to where it is. And that's what happens oftentimes in life. You know, it, I, I can't count the number of times I've heard people say, oh, life is so short. That's because we're in the process of living and doing. And, and then we look back and all of a sudden it doesn't seem like it was nearly as long as it was. Mm-hmm. So that's what I encourage people to do. Ride over stride, be in that moment, but most importantly, go somewhere and be willfully guided. I love it. Well, lots of food for thought here, not just in our horsemanship, but in our humanship. And for if you're listening and this has raised some questions for you, ask them. 
Uh, Van loves to hear from listeners. So there are a lot of different ways you can reach out and get some follow-up from Van on the things we've talked about here. And I'm sure we'll talk about more of it in future episodes. But go to the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page. You can post a question there and he'll be happy to answer. Or if you've got questions, ideas, whatever that you'd like to communicate with Van, you can always email him at info at vanhargis.com. And he, he looks forward to hearing from you. Van, anything coming up that you want to make sure folks hear about? Well, I do want to announce that our we, we've got rooms and everything that are going to be available here at our ranch. We've always encouraged people to come and visit us and stay with us. But up until recently, we weren't able to host them at the facility uh, other than just you know the, the, to ride with us and everything. But they had to stay at a hotel if they wanted to stay for extended visit. We have the ability now to accept guests on the ranch for extended visits. And because of that, if people would love to come and be a part of what we have going on at the ranch, and you would like to learn from me personally, we strongly encourage that. Um, like I said, we've got a couple of guests now, they're students actually, uh, they're in our apprentice program. Uh, they're, they're, they're from a long way away from home. We, so we, we encourage people from afar to come and spend time with us and, um, and laugh with us and joke around with us because believe me, we, we crack up a lot and we do stupid stuff at the ranch just to have fun. But it's always, there's always a lesson involved. Uh, there's always something going on with our horses, and that lesson's going to be converted into to something for us to ponder and think about. So I guess that's the biggest announcement that I would have today is that come and be a part of what we've got going on at the Crossroads Ranch with us and, uh, and help us help you kind of get through that crossroads of your life whatever, if, you, if you're going through it. Or otherwise, just come down there and have fun with us. Yeah. Another thing I want to mention too, Laura, is that... Uh, you know, I, I've been doing this my entire life, and and uh, or at least for the most part of it. And um, whether it be the people, the companies, or whatever the case may be, I've learned that you just simply can't do it without the aid, support, and the presence of others in our lives. And because of that, I always want to extend my gratitude and, and appreciation for people like yourself. You know, you've been very inspiring to me. You've, you've encouraged me many times. Where I just wanted to do what I said earlier, just kind of kick the dirt and go choose to do something different. So uh, I, I want you to know that I'm grateful for you for encouraging me to keep doing what I do. The other thing is that there's other companies out there oftentimes that make what I do easier, uh, one of which is I, I like to keep my facility looking good. I like to keep my arena worked up and looking good. I couldn't do that if it wasn't for companies like Arena Works that provide my arena drag and, and keep the dirt all fluffy and, and looking good. Or even sometimes uh, here lately, we've been having to condition new dirt. In other words, it's, we're having to make arenas where we didn't have them before. So uh, it's, it's part of that developmental process, and I really couldn't do it without companies like Arena Works and, and those folks that, uh, that, that design that equipment to make my job easier. My tack room and everything else since we've moved down here to, to our new facility has just been in total disarray, and you know that I can't stand for things <laughs> not to be organized, especially in my tack room. We talk about it all the time. And uh, I, so, I, again, I want to extend a great a note of appreciation to Equirax. They're going to be sending us all the stuff that we're going to need to put in our tack room to keep it all organized. I just want to kind of encourage people to, to go to our website, learn about those companies, and know why they mean so much to me. Because it's very important that I have these companies with their support in, in my life to make my life easy to help other people. 
Yeah, so be sure to visit vanhargis.com for uh, for that reason, to check out the Equirax, Arena Works, and Ranger Gate. There'll be links there where you can learn more about those companies. But also while you're there at the website, check out Van's calendar, all the other stuff going, the store and, uh, and the Top Hand Club. There's lots of information on the website, and that's at vanhargis.com. Anything else, Van? I can't think of a thing, Laura, other than just, again, my, my heart goes out to all the listeners. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate the, the emails, the messages that you send. You know, it's really cool. And I know you go through this with your, your podcast as well, Laura, but it's, I'm just absolutely blown away and humbled that people literally from all over the world listen to the podcast. Uh, the, the, our most recent one that, that I got that really got my attention was because um, I didn't even know they had horses in Zimbabwe. And we had a listener from Zimbabwe sent me a really cool note and message about how she loves to listen to the podcast. And I just want to tell everybody how much I appreciate it. And uh, you, you inspire me and you encourage me. And I appreciate you listeners for doing that and keep us doing what we're doing. But with that said, Laura, with that, with that appreciation sent out to everyone, I just want everybody to know that from the depths of my heart, thank you. And remember that it's your ride. It's your trail. It's your journey. So ride every stride.